You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you inspiration and resources to help you discover and live from your truest self. Follow along on social media at Collected Workshops, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and to learn more. The Collected Podcast is sponsored by Clean Juice, a certified organic nutrition and wellness bar with more than 100 locations in development in 16 states. Learn more at cleanjuice.com. Welcome to episode 51 of The Collected Podcast. I'm Tia McNelly. I'm Jess Biondo. And I'm Michaela Hooper. Guys, this is an exciting week. We have another awesome interview for you. But first, we want to make sure that you take a second and go ahead and jump over to Instagram. Go ahead, open it up on your phone, unless you're driving, in which case, wait. But we (laughs) want you to go ahead and search at Collected Workshops and Instagram. Make sure you're following us because next week is our one year anniversary. Yay! Can you guys even believe it? I can't believe it's been a year. And we're going to be doing some incredible giveaways and announcements. And next week's episode is something very different and special. So we hope you'll tune in for that as well. We also want to do a special... gift for our Patreon subscribers. So if you are not one of our patrons and you would like to, I'll be giving um, a special Sprezza Foundry original um, just for you listeners. So are you patrons? So check that out. Yes. That's amazing. For as little as as a dollar a month. That's right. Or Mm -hmm. more. Or more. We'll take anything you want to give us. Any dollar amount you like. And we do appreciate those of you who have already signed up. We, um, We basically operate on sponsorships and patron uh, donate donations. So we super, super appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Now this week we mm-hmm. have interviewed Mike Metcalf and what an incredible guy he is. Amazing. We, um, were just totally blown away by his audacity and his willingness to just get after the things that are before him without knowing Mm-hmm. what was coming after his yes. And that's so much a part of who we are. Yeah. So enjoy our interview with Mike Metcalf. Hey, Mike, welcome to the Collected Podcast. Hello, Jess. Hello, Michaela. Hey. How are y'all? Good. <laughs> We're excited to have you today. Um yeah. To get started, I was wondering if you could just share with our listeners what it is you do and how you, (laughs) I know, right? Oh, God. Just a simple question. Um, And like how you ended up in that and how you discovered your passion through that. Yeah. So I think we'll probably end up like having this is the only question for the entire time answering (laughs) what do I do? Yeah, that's fine. It makes our job easy. It's great. Okay, great. So officially career wise, I am a fueler. So I've been on a pit crew for 14 years, uh, currently at Chip Ganassi Racing. Uh, Chip Ganassi Racing is one of the most known racing teams, uh, I think, in the country. But I mean, we've won like Le Mans last year in France. Uh, We have an Indy Racing League. Um, team uh, and then a NASCAR program that's been around for a long time. So Chip's one of the most accomplished racing kind of people. And I've worked for Red Bull Racing. I was there five years. Michael Walter Racing is a big name and Michael Walter Walter family. They're big racing people. Um, I didn't know anything about racing growing up. I grew up in Charlotte, which is a racing capital. Um, it's just where a lot of the NASCAR teams are based out of. I didn't know anything about racing. The first race I went to, I was working. So I started in I started in January and then was at Daytona in February. And I honestly like had that freak out moment because I was like, I don't belong here. 
Yeah. They're asking me to go get stuff. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Like, <laughs> is that on the front of the car or on the back of the back of the car? I got it. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I, don't know, I don't know anything about cars, uh, but I didn't know that um, I wanted to compete and that I wanted to train. I played football in college and it was just at this time where a lot of pit crew guys were being uh, asked to be, you know, they're looking for athletes. Um, yeah. It used to just be that they would pull any mechanic out of the shop and say, you, you, and you, you're going to pick the car this week. And I kind of graduated right at this time. I wanted to keep playing professionally. So I kept training and I went to this big workout in Indianapolis to try to work out for football scouts. And I, I wasn't going to go to the NFL, but I could have played in some of like the arena leagues or indoor leagues or European leagues. And I was thinking about playing for this team in Italy. Meanwhile, the guy that I was training with got hired by a race team to run their strength and conditioning program and said, hey, you should come over. And one of the cool stories that not a lot of people know is that the team said, man, we really want to hire you. And I said, OK, great. This was about August. And come December, they still hadn't hired me. And it was still like. You know, yeah, we're, we're going to do it, we're going to do it, we're going to do it, but nothing. And so mm. there was this midnight kind of watch night service thing uh, at the church that I was going through at the time. And I don't always go to those, but I was like, yeah, I'm going to go tonight. And the speaker that night said, you know, some things that God has for you this year, you're going to have to go take. Wow. They're not going to be given to you. <laughs> that was on maybe, so that would have been the 31st. Um, I wrestled with that all day on the first and I said, you know what, I'm going to start working tomorrow. Wow. Come on. So I just showed up. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, so okay. I was like, Hey, you guys said you were going to hire me. Um, where, where do you want me to start working? And, uh, so the, the head of the, the guy, uh, you know, at the front desk is like, Hey, are you expecting a Mike Metcalf? And then the picker guy calls the comp director who's talking to like the GM and they're like, yeah, we, I mean, we, we're definitely interested. We didn't have them starting today. Um, <laughs> uh, hold on. Give me and I'm just like, take your time. I'm good. I'll be here all day. Um, I cleared my schedule. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm flexible. Um, and then, so they called down to the parts room and they're like, Hey, do you, do, do you still need some help down there? And the guy was like, oh, my, we're drowning. Like, Come literally on. send me, literally send me anybody. They're like, okay, uh, his name's Mike. He was heading over. And so I started, I think work started at 7.30 then. I was there at 7. I think I started working in the parts room at, like, 8.30. Wow. And so um, <laughs> I would work half a day in the parts room and then half a day, like, learning how to be on a pit crew. And a lot of that was just like working through lunch and getting there early or staying late and just trying to figure it all out. And so that was about 15 years ago. So I went from uh, a parts room clerk to a developmental pit crew guy to a full-time pit crew athlete to now full-time pit crew athlete and like uh, player coach. So myself and a guy named Sean Pete are in charge of anything to do with pit stops for Chip Ganassi Racing. Amazing. That is like, oh, I'm, as you said, said what you did about just being like, I'm here. <laughs> you guys ready? I mean, that's, that is very audacious. And I think what a powerful testimony of, like you said, sometimes we just need to get after it Yeah, and we need to uh, go for it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it was, I'm driving up. I mean, I'm at, so where I was living at the time was about an hour and some change away from the race shop. So 
I have an hour to drive somewhere where they might just say, you're, you're an idiot. Like, this isn't how businesses work. Mm -hmm. Like, go away. But, you know, I just, I kept going. I don't know why I did, but um, I, I knew that at some point in my life, I was, <laughs> I, I live kind of by the slogan that fortune favors the brave and turning around or not going wasn't going to be brave in that moment. Mm. That's good. Yeah. Favors the brave. And I mean, taking that bold risk, I guess the worst that could have happened was they said no and you were out two hours. Mm-hmm. Sure. But then the best that could have happened is what happened. <laughs> and now God has taken you on this crazy career path. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, that you probably didn't anticipate when you were playing football in college. No, not at all. Um, um, so along this path, what surprising doors has God continued to open for you? Mm-hmm. So I, I, once I uh, kicked that door down, <laughs> I, uh, I was like, you know, I'm going to do this for five years and I'll reevaluate. And when it's time for a, for me to do something else, got to open that door because I, I learned early for whatever reason I was uh, fortunate enough to have that happen. So mm-hmm. like, I realized like I didn't make that opportunity happen. Like mm-hmm. that was something that God, um, I had prayed about it. You know, I was like, all right, playing football in Italy could be a lot of fun. I'll be in a different country and you know, the wine's great there and you know, all that good stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. But I was like, you know, I've played football. I don't know what racing's like. And I really felt like pulled in that direction, um, knowing nothing about it. And so five years is coming gone almost three times. And, (laughs) and now I'm, I, now I'm seeing another door start to open. Mm -hmm. And so through learning how to pretty much, I've been on several crews where we had never done a pit stop together before. And then all of a sudden we have to go be elite. We have to go be the people that jump out and change tires put four new tires on 18 gallons of gas and, you know, we're expected to do this every time in less than 12 seconds, 12 seconds, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like how there's trust that has to come in there. There's, Mm -hmm. there's transparency, there's chemistry, there's, there's talent, there's hard work, there's accountability, there's empathy and understanding. There's all these things that I, we, Sean and I were asked to speak at the NFL combine a couple of years ago. We said, absolutely not. I'm horrified of public speaking. I don't want to be in front of all those people. But then we thought about it, decided we have to do this. We went up there, got through, like, I mean, struggled through this conversation. And I'm thinking, okay, where's the exit door? Because I'm going to, like, sprint out of here. Mm-hmm. So I never have to make eyes with these people again. I thought we did a horrible job, huge ovation, and we couldn't leave. Like, there's this huge line that formed. Everybody oh. in the room just wanted to stay and talk and ask us more questions. We were this real good conversation with this one guy and afterwards like hey which which team are you with he's like well i'm with the new england patriots and it, that was the moment where i was like wait we should be asking you questions you guys win the super bowl almost every other year <laughs> <laughs> why are you listening to me I, I, and, and sean has a similar story he was a hockey player a um, very similar story just kind of fell into racing and we've been together now for over uh for 13 seasons and wow. just worked together at the same teams the whole time so um we've now started DEC. DEC is a acronym for diversity efficiency culture and kindness um when we got that story going for the combine we realized that we had taken over at chip ganassi racing the pit crews were just kind of in a lull they were routinely not even in the top 20 and now we're pretty much always in the top 10 and 
and, and against people that had double the budgets that we had. So, hmm. you know, we, we had to sit back and think, well, what, what, how do we do that? And like, what are our pillars? And we realized that it was diversity, efficiency, culture, and kindness. And so that's the platform that we're now, um, we've got a book that'll be out, uh, in a few months that we've already pitched to several business leaders Great. that absolutely love it and want to endorse it and spread it and buy it for their company. And, um, so now, so now that's that the one door. If I don't kick that door in, you know, obviously there was fear involved there, you know, doubting myself. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to hire me and, you know, not to get too off the topic, but I've got, I had friends and, and people that I kind of knew that were saying like, that's a poor decision, Mike, like you're mm-hmm. a black dude and mm-hmm. this is a Southern white sport. You're never going to make it, um, you know. Mm-hmm it's you're wasting time like this is you hopefully you have a plan b and so there's all these things that were going on that would have been very easy for me to say yeah i'll pass on this and Mm -hmm. then i'm glad i didn't and looking back you know like you know fast forward it's racing that is actually the thing that gives me a platform to speak to leaders like all over the country wow yeah and you know you say you you know you kick the door down but too, on the other side, like God was working behind the scenes, like you didn't even mm-hmm. realize that the door was actually wide open, right? Wide open, you know, uh-huh. and you just had to show up. And I think yep. so often in our lives, that's what happens. We feel like, well, they're not calling me or this isn't happening or we're waiting for some sort of sign mm-hmm. when we just have to take that first step. Yeah. Even yeah. if it seems crazy to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. <laughs> yeah. 100%. What are some things that you would just, I guess, some practical things that you would give to our to the listeners today, like that you've done and that you continue to do throughout your everyday that keep you focused and keep you, you know, just keep you trusting the Lord and um, keep your perspective and your purpose at the forefront of, you know, of the things that you're doing? Um, I'd say maybe on a, on a smaller personal scale, uh, my wife and I have, uh, whiteboards in our bathroom and we just call them like gratitude boards. I don't know what the real name of it is. They're just up there, but we just always write down things that we're happy about Mm. and thankful for. It's Mm. so easy to, um, get distracted by the negativity in the news and the political climate and the weather. And like, you know, my, my coffee wasn't made right by my barista this morning and there's traffic, you know, like there's always these negative things, but um, to just kind of like, we we always talk about at work and with our crew guys, like your arrival mindset will dictate the success of your day. Like the way you started will kind of inform your mind on like the decisions that you want to make that day. So if you Mm -hmm. think it's Monday and I don't like Mondays and Mondays is going to be terrible. Guess what? Monday's probably going to be terrible. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. The most heart attacks in the U S happen on Monday mornings. Wow. And it's because people (laughs) in my humble opinion come off of having this great, time of being able to do whatever the heck they want to do on the weekend and then all of a sudden they have to dial back into the pressure and the stress and the performance and the demands of the workday mm-hmm. and their mindset shifts and it, you know stress and you know that's what leads to these things well i'm like all right well let's send it in the other direction like let's just i wake up i listen to some of my favorite songs 
Um, I pray. I like try to overwhelm myself with gratefulness like every morning. Like it like brings me to tears most of the time. Mm. And I'm just like start the day. I'm just like happy and in a good mood. That's so um, good. <laughs> and I think if more people were happier in a good mood, that that would leave. <laughs> Like that's some of the most practical advice I think I can give. Like, <laughs> just, I wish I wish more people would be happier and in a good mood. Yeah. Um, and then there, I think, like on a bigger scale, and, and this isn't for everyone. I had a, a conversation with a guy. There's this group called F3. Mm-hmm. It's I don't even know what it is. Faith, fitness, and fellowship, maybe. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It's a guy. Guys work out, meet together, and work out really early in the morning and do these crazy workouts. People keep trying to invite me to come do them. Like I'm not doing it. I did it and for college, like I was forced to, and I told people that whenever I was not forced to do these things again, it's not happening. So I've never been, but I talked to the guy that founded it. He's an old like army ranger guy. Mm-hmm. And he, his advice to me was, he said, never pass on opportunities to be in leadership positions as a young person. And I wish he had not told me that because I have since signed myself up for like any, anything. (laughs) (laughs) And I end up like, kind of like, why did I do this? Like, why did I take this on? But, you know, so right around that time, there was an opening on the board of the Charlotte Rescue Mission. I've never been on the board. I don't know anything about being a board member at the expectations were. um, I was like, you know what? Do you guys need help? This is a leadership position I'm in. And uh, for about the first year, I was just definitely like leaving these meetings. Like, I don't belong here. Mm-hmm. I have nothing to contribute. And I'm now the chairman of the board. Oh. And so the thing that he was trying to say is that when you're long, you're young, kind of similar to children learning um, speech, that your plasticity in your brain, like you have more of a ability to pick things up. And that when you are young, people have grace for you. They're like, hey, this person's energetic and passionate. They're young, maybe not the best decision. Maybe, maybe they don't get the final vote, but they're going to learn. And then when you make mistakes, it's okay. But you know, today's leaders are tomorrow's CEOs, is what he said. Mm. And so, when you take the risk, and it's no different than any other risk, the risk of trying to go work for a team that said they want to hire you but won't give you an offer. Um, when you take that risk to like serve people and that's all leadership, that's all good leadership is, is serving people. When you take the risk to do that, it rewards you over time. And so if you come into the chair board chair as a 50 year old and you're not great, then you get fired and bad mouth. But when you're younger, it's okay. So, um, (laughs) I would say, we say to our guys all the time, fail, fail quickly. Um, two words that usually don't go together. But fail and and learn and, and grow. And that's the, you know, successful people aren't successful because they have it all figured out. They're just literally like have just packed and stacked failure after failure after failure. And that's just what they stand on. Right. Mm. So it's, um, yeah, I would say get get involved in some type of local organization that you can serve at like a committed level to where you have to sacrifice a little bit Mm. where you have to give, but you'll stretch, you'll meet people. Um, Connections that I have through that have been completely invaluable um, that have led to more kind of business ideas and networks and connections that I never would have dreamed of. And I didn't start doing that to, to, that's just a byproduct of what happens when when you kind of serve people. So um, be be grateful and serve. So Mm. those are my practical advice. Those are awesome. Amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Throughout all of this, has there ever been a time where you've really questioned the path that you're on? Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Never. Yeah, never I, mean, I, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, no, not, never. I don't even know what question means. Yeah, um, yeah I would say you, th- there's definitely uh, points along the way that I think it's it's why I kind of tend to shift my try to work harder shifting my position and, and perspective to the positive things and the things that I, that are confirming as opposed to the things that kind of detract away from that. Um, I think there, there are many points uh, along the way um, where I just felt like the team, I don't know, like maybe I could contribute more. Um, there's plenty of, of moments in football where those are distracting. Um, I've had, three major knee surgeries, one shoulder <laughs> reconstruction. Um, so anytime you're injured and kind of down and out, like you have the doubts of, you know, if am I going to be able to make it back? Is my job still going to be there mm. when I make it back? Um, man, because these people just keep getting younger and stronger. You know, <laughs> will they kick me out? Um, I think those are probably the moments where I've kind of doubted myself the most, mm. um, just when, when injuries have happened. So, because it, it takes a... It takes a certain level of confidence to be able to do anything that's physically demanding. Right. And when your body is not at peak operation, it you, 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 you're worried, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, I've for sure. I've had several of those moments. Mm, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, will you tell us a little bit more about your book? You mentioned that earlier. Um, so what is it about? Um, does it relate to the deck principles and kind of give us maybe a little teaser? Mm, All right. So it is called 12 second culture. Uh, 12 seconds is a fast pit stop. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's, it's just kind of, it's 12 chapters and it's not really even chapters. We've actually broken it down into seconds. So the little teaser is that the, the, it's like zero, and then one, then two seconds, but it's kind of breaking down what's happening at each second in a pit stop, and then it kind of overflows into what that chapter is about. So it kind of like, like wow. it's, it's kind of great. Yeah, like how it unfolded was pretty cool. But um, so we're talking about all kinds of things. We're talking about, um, we call ourselves the Department of Unrealistic Expectations. They expect us to be perfect every single pit stop. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, whether that be a school teacher in a underfunded, you know, district mm. or, um, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. Like there are people that come into work each day that are kind of feeling that weight. I talked a little bit about arrival mindset. Um, that's really important to us. I talked a little bit about fail quickly. That's really important to us. Um, we talk a lot about diversity um, mm. and that if you have a used car lot and you have, 15 Mustangs of all different kind of colors. Do you have diversity? No, you just have 15 Mustangs. Mm-hmm. And how diversity has kind of been hijacked and has to go much deeper than like skin color. Yeah. And so it, wow. it that, that that chapter for me is really, really special just because Sean, Sean's Canadian. And so he doesn't have like, he's new to some of the biases that uh, uh, that we have here in America. Right. On whichever side you're on. and mm-hmm. And then I've, I've experienced um, being pulled over by the cops at gunpoint mm-hmm. and having mm-hmm. like, and like having that moment of like, man, I, when I see it on the news where these situations have happened, I'm like, I, it takes me back there. And I'm like, mm-hmm. man, I don't know why 
you know, for whatever reason, no one felt the need to pull a trigger that day. I'm super grateful for that. Mm, um, yeah. But some people are in different spots. And so um, so just kind of like diving into, you know, us as uh, and, and we've got easily the most like diverse group in racing. And so I think we'll probably at some point be like diversity experts of some reason. I don't, you know, I don't yeah. know. Everybody's an influencer or, mm-hmm. or something these days, but um, there's that we go through process improvement. So just like power equals work over time. And so efficiency isn't necessarily, it's a lim- if there's, if something takes a hundred steps to get it done, it's figuring out how to get to 99 and 98. 97 it's Mm. not like just rushing through it to do it as fast as you can it's doing all of the steps well well um and it's just like a ton of stories um you know a team owner going on a rant and saying that you know all of his employees are as replaceable as he was holding a 7 16th wrench a really small wrench probably three four dollars um and that in that moment, he completely deflated that room. And that team has never won a championship in the Cup Series since. Oh, and wow. you you think about the way it, the way it ends is just like this, trying to take people back to what Omago Day means. And it means that the image of God and all of us have that. Mm-hmm. Regardless of where we were born, we we're all born the same way, you know, out of the stomach of a woman. And there's this dates when we're born when we die and then there's a dash in the end and that's the race like that's the race that we get to run Mm -hmm. and like what what do you want your race to say you know and our our urge and our cry is that people have a kind race like one where we're not racing just to get to the checkered flag ourselves but we're trying to help other people win in their lives and their dreams and their goals so um yeah, that's a little bit into uh, it's going to be it's going to be fun. It's quick. Um, it gets heavy at some points. It'll make you laugh. It might make some people like get emotional because oh <laughs> um, it's, it's got just real kind of raw story. Sean and I are pit crew coaches. We're not writers. We're not speakers, but we're just trying to tell our story and just want to see people do it a different way. That team owner saying that, you know, I think we live in an age where it's hard to just demand excellence demand perfection hey go hey jess hey just go do the best podcast that's ever been done it's hard to to do that yeah yeah you you can say hey i want to but you can inspire people yeah you can inspire people you can say hey i i'm the last podcast was great and i feel like when you ask questions and really get into it and when you pray beforehand when you um do research like I think the podcast will get even, you know, they'll get even better, you know, and then mm-hmm. then that gets you excited. And right. And so I think we're I just we would like to see a shift where people think a little bit more about like the human factors that are connected to performance and not just, you know, people that bark orders and yell and scream. I just don't think that's necessary. Right. Yeah. And I love that focusing on the the fact that we are the image of God. Yes. And we need to treat each other that way. And. And, you know, claim that for ourselves. I think often we don't even treat ourselves that way. Yeah. 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 Hmm. I also love, I mean, I just love that you, from the get-go, you talked earlier about some of the things that are required of you guys as leaders in the pit. Like, you know, I think, I just think sometimes we, we can discount what can be learned in, in, and what's required in such a short amount of time. 
you said, you know, for the 12 seconds, this is what's required. And how often we discount that that short amount of time can actually require so much from us as people mm. uh-huh. and, um, and how valuable it is. I mean, those 12 seconds will totally change the uh-huh. trajectory of a race. Mm. And sure. so, you know, that, that to me, I would just, I've been thinking about that as you've been talking throughout this interview and I'm like, wow, like 12 seconds and it totally, it will change the, the complete direction of, um, mm-hmm. of a race. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just Amazing. two quick comments, not trying to cut you off, but yeah, no. we had a race last year and our last pit stop was 0.4 slower than the team that we, we were first and the team, the second team, they were 0.4 faster than us on our last pit stop. Mm-hmm. We had had the fastest pit stops all night. I think we did like 11 or 12 pit stops that night on the like 12th one, 11th one, something like that. We were 0.4 slower and no one would talk to us for two weeks. Mm. And it, it just, I, I will never forget how I felt leaving that racetrack um, because it just, I'm like, man, I go to, you know, like Chick-fil-A and they mess up my order or I have to wait in the line forever at Lowe's and like no one's yelling at them. You know, it's like, this isn't fair. <laughs> It's like 0.4, like you, that's blinking your eyes as fast as you can twice. That's 0.4. Man. And, but that, that was the difference of us, you know, winning a race and finishing third. And that was, that was a huge loss and momentum loss for us that day. And, um, that's, yeah, that's just, so that's, that's our world. That's why, yeah, 12 seconds each second matters. And then Mm -hmm. even like the fractions of second matters. Um, so yeah. Wow. How do you bounce back from that? Uh, yeah, there's, there's some of the, the easy things that we, we talked about was just that we were 0.4 off that day, but like for the overall average of the day, we were the best. Um, and then, and then, so you, you kind of have to look at it like in the span of a lifetime, you know, like you might, yeah, you might not always have the individual trophies, but if you can put together a good race and, Mm. and over time you can, you know, most most teams would say, "Man, I'll take that every day, mm-hmm. being being number one." But then, you know, maybe a little off every now and then. Like you can live with that. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, we just had to pick each other up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We didn't get a lot of su- support from uh, the rest of the team, <laughs> um, but that was okay. We believe in in the people that we've got. We believe in each other, yeah. and uh, at the end of the day, we had to be each other's biggest cheerleaders, and that was. Mm-hmm. The mo- one of the moments, it's crazy, you know, you do all these team building events and meetings and strategy sessions and summits and you watch all these inspirational videos. But the moment that we came together the most was when we actually did a pretty good job. I mean, yeah. nobody, no, not many other teams were running the times we did. The other team was just point four faster. And, yeah. you know, that, that kind of helped us stick together. We realized that if we didn't have each other's backs, then there was no way for us to move forward. And mm-hmm. so we just made that decision early. Like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna learn from this. We're gonna watch it. We're gonna look at it. We're gonna see how we could be better and we're gonna learn from it and grow. And um and then we're gonna put it behind us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's such power in sticking with your people. Yeah. Yeah. Like yep. knowing that no matter what happens, you're gonna stand by each other for sure. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, and Sean and I are 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 not the best uh, leaders and crew coaches and captains. But one of the things that I think we do well is uh, we will we will first thing Monday morning like that's on us. Mm like don't the guys did everything you know we they executed the way we had them to we've got to figure out another element another step in our strategy so that when this moment comes again we're ready for and we went back to that same racetrack a few weeks ago and led led we were we were were number one and so it meant it meant so to walk out a year later like I just smiling, knowing mm-hmm. like, okay, that would easily it could have been a, another day to just kind of succumb to, you know, the negativity or the past and the things that you know we think about, the worries that we have. But we, um, I don't know, we were we were all excited to get back there and show them that we, you know, we weren't going to let that define us. Mm, That's awesome. That's good, and you didn't let the fear take root. Exactly. Yeah, we uh, we we all, we kind of jokingly say a lot. You can't be scared and fast at the same time. So you gotta <laughs> if you're if you're worried about messing up, you're not gonna. Somebody else is gonna be faster because they're just worried about going. You know, yeah. they're just trying to get it done as fast as possible. So as we wrap up, is there any final word of wisdom or encouragement that you'd like to leave our listeners with today? Hmm. Uh, I just had a, a little coffee with a friend and his big mantra right now is just keep going. Mm. That's, uh, you know, it's easy. You see it on T-shirts and coffee mugs and all that. But it, it really does mean mean something. I think we are in an era where competition is everywhere. I mean, whatever it is that you do, there's a thousand people that do it and are probably trying to do it better than you are. And maybe they do. Mm. Um, there's dreams that we have. There's uh, hashtag relationship goals that we have. There's all kind of things mm-hmm. that we want in, in life and, and, and pray about or dream about. And um, it would be easy to throw in the towel. It would be easy to say, I will want to lower my expectations. But um, it's not from the Bible or anything. It's not, it's not a quote from a, a great prophet, but it's uh, my good friend, Wes Knight. Um, and I just want to say, keep going. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. That's good. And it's easier said than done, but an important it, principle. Yeah, it is indeed. Yeah. yeah. So, well, Mike, thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Guys, what a man. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. You know, what really stuck out to me about um, everything that he said was basically that if you want something, that you need to go for it. Mm-hmm. You need to go and get it. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like um, that resonates with me lately because I've been having to step out in boldness and kind mm-hmm. of go after the things that I feel like the Lord's leading me in lately. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that too God was already working behind the scenes, yeah. and so it felt like this huge risk for Him, but God knew that He had prepared the way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the things we think we want, or the things that we think are right for us, won't work out as great as they did for Mike. You know, that's not our guarantee. Right. But even if it turns out to be a closed door, 
I think the Lord is still in that. Oh, definitely. You know, and getting you on a different path. I think sometimes that can be discouraging. Or, you know, you hear a story like Mike's and it's like, well, I did take a big step of faith mm-hmm. and it didn't work out this way. Mm-hmm. But I think even in that, God is so good to get you to a better place. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many times where I thought I wanted something so badly and I thought it would be so right and it didn't work out only to, you know, in hindsight to see like, okay, yes. that, that wasn't God's best for me. Mm-hmm. And Jess, you said something in the interview that I'm thinking about as you're talking, you know, you said, what was the worst that could have happened, you know, two hours out of your day in the end, you, you don't get the job mm-hmm. or in your, you know, situation, Mike, you got the job. Yeah. But it's like two hours out of his day that could have been in the end what happened and he may not have gotten that job, but mm-hmm. only, you know, just two hours. It's like in the grand scheme of things, it really, it doesn't, it may not matter. You know, it's like, it's just two hours out of, out of your day. But for him, it was two hours and he's been in this career for 15 years. Yeah. That's so incredible. Yeah. My challenge for you this week, and for myself, <laughs> and for me, I'm taking it, and for all I'm everyone listening to the sound of my voice, <laughs> think of something, a risk you can take, yep. and commit two hours to it. Mm. I love that. Yep. Sometime in the next seven days before our one-year anniversary episode, Yay! take two hours to take a risk and just see what comes of it. Yes. And let us know either way. We'd love yeah. to hear from you. Yeah. Um, DM us at Collected Workshops on Instagram. Um, and... Just share your stories, Mm -hmm. good or bad. Yeah. Yeah. And we want to know how to pray for you as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. So please please let us know how you've taken on that challenge um, and also how we can pray specifically for you this week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, guys. We hope you have an awesome week. We'll see you back here for our one-year anniversary show. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you would help spread the word. Check back here for weekly episodes dropping every Thursday. You can follow Collected on social media at Collected Workshops. Find the Collected Podcast on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Collected Podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Become a patron for as little as $1 a month to gain access to bonus content, early bird ticket sales, exclusive contests, and more. You can also find Tia at Tia McNally Notes, Jess at Spreza Foundry, and Michaela at The Creative Space NC. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to prevent and support unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. Support for the Collected Podcast is provided by Clean Juice. Learn more at cleanjuice.com and be sure to check out their lifestyle arm at wellhappyandkind.com. Podcast recorded by Jacob Early. Music by Asaf Alon.